Okay, I'm going to, I'll pray and get us started. Uh, Jesus, I ask that you would give me peace, that you would give me the right words to say to communicate these thoughts, and that you would help this to not be a really rabbit traily long rant. Um, I pray that you would give me peace about it, and that uh, what is communicated is um, hope and peace in life and not uh, bitter resentment. <laughs> in your name, amen. So, uh, last week, Luke gave a super good talk, and I was a little ticked because that's what I was going to talk about. Like, So, I'm not going to talk about what Luke talked about last week, um, although I think we could expound pretty heavily on it because it's a very interesting idea. Um, instead, I, like all week I was like, okay, so I can't talk about that concept. What's something that's been in my mind or what's something that I've been thinking about? And I don't know why, I don't know what triggered it or what, like, f- what made it come into my mind, but I was thinking about, as I often do, like my, my childhood and like being raised in um, the evangelical movement and being uh, under a pastor's roof and all, all of those sorts of things. And this concept that I've talked about uh, probably almost every time I speak or in discussions, I've been really thinking a lot about not focusing on the afterlife and instead focusing on like present life and the concept of Elom Haba, like the kingdom of heaven on earth. And I was like, okay, well, what does the Bible have to say about that? Obviously, it says a lot, but I think the first thing that popped into my head about something that would be almost opposed to it is there is several times where Jesus says uh, that we are to be in this world, but not of this world. And I was like, okay, well, that kind of like a little bit messes with my like philosophy on bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth and being engaged with where we are now. And like every good Christian, I instead use the Bible to, to do my point of view instead of probably what's like actually uh, maybe like the holistic picture. But so what I, what I tried to focus on was this phrase in the Bible that is uh, in this world but not of this world. And it shows up a couple times. And the, the one that it pulls from that is super confusing is in the garden before... Uh, as Jesus is praying before he's offered up as a sacrifice, um, he prays this prayer to God over and over again. He's saying this, like, I am in the world, but not of the world. I'm, I'm asking that they will be in the world and not of the world, and that these trials won't come up against them and all this stuff. And it's incredibly repetitive, so if you can, like, give me your personal insight on it, I would appreciate it, but I read it like three or four times, and I'm like, this is really rambling. Like, I can't make sense of, like, what, where is this going? It's like the same repetitive thing. I mean, part of it is uh, when the Bible was written, repetition was used as a way to emphasize points. Um, so in the world, but not of the world. When I was growing up, my concept of this uh, was very heavily tailored by the environment that I was in, and uh, in the world but not of the world uh, really meant 
there were certain things as Christians that we could not do because it would let people think that we were of the world. So it was like there were certain like movies that we couldn't see. Uh, there were certain words that were forbidden because, uh, I mean, if a Christian were to say the word shit, then you were just, there's no way you're a Christian anymore. I mean, you're clearly of the world if you use that word. Um, there were, I remember, like, there was a time where I was at a, like, youth convention, and we were in Rochester, Minnesota, and part of it was we could have, like, the afternoon to go, like, explore around, and there was this super cool Barnes & Noble that was in uh, downtown Rochester that, like, looked like it was, like, a castle, so, for, like, for me at the time, like, that was super cool, and... Uh, I remember going in there and being like, this is like the coolest like bookstore I've ever been in because where I live, there wasn't a bookstore. Like we could just get the like, like whatever novels were at Walmart. And so I was like, this is so cool. I was so excited to be in there. And I remember someone being like, you got to be really careful in here. Like you need to, you need to watch and guard your heart in here because there are things that are not safe. And I was like, okay, like what? And that was all part of this. Like we are, we are in the world, but not of the world. So we have to guard ourselves against the world, like there is, there are things out there that if you do not pay close enough attention, they'll sneak up and then look at you, you're like a part of the world and no longer a representation of Jesus Christ. And, and I don't know what specifically they were talking about that was something we needed to be afraid of in a bookstore, but um, I don't think that critical thought is the enemy of Jesus Christ. Um, So I'm, as I'm processing this, you know, we're in the world but not of the world. As I was growing up, it was this, it's all about what you can't do. It's all about the things that are, that are wrong and not about um, anything outside of that. It was really a, we don't want people to know, we don't want people to think that we're anything other than Christians. So it has to look visually like a certain lifestyle. And this went to... An extreme when I was in college, I went to a private Christian university and I knew this student who, uh, he was very young, he was 16 and he was uh, at the school and he was, um, he had like a series of, of conditions that he had to follow in his life in order for uh, his parents to pay for his education and for, uh, for him to finish school. And part of it was he, was, he had never set foot in a movie theater uh, because if you go into a movie theater, people might assume you went to, like, you could you could have maybe gone to that R-rated movie instead of, uh, I don't know, like, the Emoji movie. I have no idea. But I think that, and I, I remember being like, and he loved movies, and I was like, why don't you just, like, go to a movie? Like, you're, I mean, he wasn't technically an adult, but I'm like, this is your, like, you need to, like, be, you need to go, like, live your life. And he was like, I can't. Like, my dad won't pay for college anymore if I go to a movie theater. And I was, like, baffled by it because I was like, what does that have to do anything? He's like, well, what if I went to a movie and someone thought I was going to a different movie? And I was like, well, what does that have to do with anything? Like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, we have, to be, we have to be in the world but not of the world. I'm like, but you watch whatever you want here. It's just you don't want anyone to think that you're doing something. Like, it's all about how everyone else perceives you and not about really anything to do with character. It's, I can watch... Uh, on the campus that I was on, like, R-rated movies were banned uh, if you were on campus. You could watch them off campus, but not on campus, because it was all about perception. It wasn't like, 
It's not like we were trying to like one-up God and trick God into thinking we were better people than we are. It was like, how can we make sure that everyone around us who's Christians know that we're Christians? And I just think that that's weird. Like, I don't think it has anything to do with... So, so much of like my childhood was wrapped around like the per- how we are perceived and the, and the words we use and things like that. And I don't think it has anything to do with our faith. Like, I don't think it should. Um... For example, I, I really actually wanted to talk a lot about language because I curse like a sailor, and that might not be the best thing to do in front of my children because my three-year-old like has the combination of like singing church music and also dropping the f bomb, and I like to call that like holistic parenting. But maybe it's not like maybe there's like maybe there's like better ways to approach it. But uh, like I had to process and think through like this word is only a word. Like, this is a word, and me saying this word does not mean God no longer loves me or that I am separate from my Christian faith or anything like that. Um, I think, for me, a lot of what it boils down to is, like, the heart behind things. Because there could be someone who says, like, fiddlesticks with more malice than someone who's, like, who drops the F-bomb. You know what I mean? Like, there is, there's something behind that. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Misery, um, but it's about this, like, this uh, kind of reclusive woman who kidnaps a writer and makes him write this, like, book for her. And she is, like, very morally opposed to swearing and, like, yells at him about it and says words like cock a because she doesn't want to swear. But she's, like, a murderer and she's crazy. And I'm like, there is, like... We can't be so focused on outward appearance as the standard and measure for a person's character. Like, it just doesn't... Like, the language they use, the movies they view, the books that they read, the music that they listen to, that is not more powerful than than love or grace or kindness. Like, that does not... That you, can, you can be outwardly the kindest person in the world, and still be, like, a psycho murderer. You know what I mean? Like, there is... Outward appearance has so little to do with with what our faith should be about. One of the things that shows up kind of paired with this concept of we are in the world but not of the world, uh, this shows up again in the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5. Um, it's also called the Beatitudes, but in Matthew 5.13, he talks about how we are supposed to be salt and light. And for a long time, I've understood the like light portion of it. Like That I was like, okay, I can get that. Like I understand, for the most part, how light works, and I understand like how that could mean this. Like I, I got that part of it. So what's interesting about light is there is, there, like, it is stronger than darkness, I guess. Like, there is, not a, there is not a darkness that is darker than light, if that makes sense. Like, there is, if you're in a completely dark room and you light a match, like, the room is no longer completely dark. Like, there's nothing, like, darkness cannot overtake light. Like, it's not stronger than light, because what darkness is is the absence of light. It's not, um, it's not its, like, own, like, Force. I mean, maybe it is in, like, creepy sci-fi movies or things like that, but, like, in real life, like, darkness cannot o- overpower a light source. Um, 
because light is radiation, and it, it's, um, like, we talked about, like, sound waves, like, a couple weeks ago, but it's, like, it's radiation waves, so there's, there's light that we can perceive, and there's light that we cannot perceive, but it is, it is stronger than the, the, the absence of it. Um, so the light part, I always got as a kid. The salt part, what does that even mean? Like, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. Uh... I don't think that means we're supposed to be salty, but the like how the whole passage goes is we are the salt of the earth. If you cannot, if you take the salt out of the salt, then there's no saltiness. And so he's talking about what is he talking about with that? Like what does salt of the earth mean? I've always heard it, and maybe it's just because of the people I work with, but. I've heard people say salt of the earth as a, almost like a negative when people are like kind of um, simple or um, good natured but not necessarily bright. We are like, oh yeah, that lady, she's salt of the earth right there. That's how I've always heard it. I guess like more commonly it's used as like we're talking about a person who is good, like they're the salt of the earth. And that's because it's paired with Jesus talking about us being the salt of the earth. So when Jesus talks about being the salt of the earth, how was salt used at the time? So it was partially used as like seasoning, like it was used for like food, but there's other two components of salt that we don't really talk about that were really important at the time. So salt was used as a preservative. So when he's talking about you're the salt of the earth, like you are preserving the earth, like you are uh, helping it to last longer. It's also used as a fertilizer at the time. So it's used as like the spice of the world, the preservation of the world, and the growth of the world, um, which would not be at all foreign with that concept that he talks a lot about, which is that alom haba, like our bringing the next world into this world. So when Jesus is talking about you are the salt and the light of the earth, he's not talking about He's not necessarily talking about table salt. He's talking about you are here to preserve the world. You are here to grow the world. And the world could be seen as, you could look at it in two different ways. You could look at it as we're talking about like the literal earth that we're on, like the actual like the grass and the trees and all that. Like we are to be stewards of the world that we're in. But it's also used to talk about like the population of humankind. So like we are meant to preserve other people and we are meant to grow them. Now, like, preserve sounds weird, but I think what it means is, I guess how I would take it is we are to honor them as being human beings and we are to value their existence and try to preserve their existence. Um, And whether that means, like, their actual livelihood or their culture or what it may be, I think part of being the hands and feet of God and the kingdom of heaven on earth is we are to preserve and grow those who are around us. Instead of it being like all about our outward appearance and how we are not in this world, not of the world, and so we need to get out of this world and separate ourselves from the world as much as possible, that's not the attitude that Jesus portrayed because he was known for being with the worst of the worst. He was with the prostitutes, with the tax collectors, everyone that society rejected, he was closest to. So this concept that we need to be in the world, not of the world, so we should like form our own communities where... We only talk to people who are exactly like us and 
we have only Christian bookstores and listen to Christian music and all that sort of thing. Like, that's fine and it has its place, but if you are forming a bubble around yourself where you don't see the rest of the world, is that really the kingdom of God in action? Is that really, like, how many walls do you have to build up to protect yourself from everything else around you? And I think so much of it goes back to people are really afraid for their salvation. Like, people are genuinely nervous that if they do the wrong thing, say the wrong words, read the wrong books, listen to the wrong music, they could accidentally lose their faith. Like, they could, like, oops, like, I missed it. Like, I I, I accidentally did something I wasn't supposed to, and now I am further from God than I was before, and now God's love is no longer the strongest thing in the universe. My mistakes are. Like, the things that, and I'm not even saying, like, the books you read are your mistakes. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, there is not a... We feel that there is something... When we make mistakes or we do something that outwardly looks different than we were raised or things like that, that we are separating ourselves from the love of God. And I don't think that's the message of the cross. Uh, I believe the message of the cross is he died once for all and his love was strong enough for all of humanity, for all of their mistakes. And uh, for us to be guarding ourselves and building walls to be preserved little Christians that are protected from this cruel, cruel world we're in. I think that that's the opposite of his message. His message was to go out, bring the message to everyone, to love those who are unlovable. He says multiple times in the Bible, like, you love your friends, like, that's great. Everyone loves their friends. Who cares that you love your friends? I want you to love the people that you hate. Like, and that's a challenge. Like, that's really hard. Like, there are people in my life that the love of Kenan does not extend far. You know what I mean? Like, there is, the, and the grace of Kenan does not go very far. But so much of it is honestly built on outward appearance even. Like, even the people that I am mad at or reject or am upset with is all solely based on my, my outward perception of their inward reality. Like, because they say and do these things, they have to be this way. And I don't know their heart. Like, only God knows their heart. So why do I feel that I have the authority to be God and judge their heart and judge their actions? Like, that doesn't make sense. The, um... Sorry, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) I felt like I was on a roll there, and now I just hit a brick wall. Um... Right. Like, I don't think that we, so much of my faith growing up was, like, all about outward appearance and not about, like, the heart and not about what was going on in someone's life. It was all about, I need to separate myself from humanity because that's going to keep me safe. Because if I'm separate from humanity, I'm not going to accidentally open the door to the portal of hell and, and bring cursings on myself. And I don't, I don't think that that's how Jesus would want us to live. I don't think he wants us to be afraid of the world and afraid of everyone around us. I think that what he wants us to do is to bring that peace, that love, and that light, and that salt into the places where no one else wants to go. Um, I think viewing, um, 
I saw a, when I was researching this stuff, there was a, and I don't know, maybe I'm getting into dangerous ranch territory, I have no idea, but I was, I was researching all of this and just seeing, like, what, you just type, like, salt and light into the internet, and I'm like, what's going to pop up here? Like, who's, what's the voice that's talking about this the loudest? And there is a, uh, a certain, uh, well-known Christian evangelist, uh, and I don't think he wrote this, but there's a, a blog post in his name about it, and I read it, and I was like, at the end, I was like, this is, I feel like this is gross. Like, I was like, this is sad, because the primary voice, one of the primary voices in modern Christianity is saying, we're to be the salt and light of the earth, so what you need to do is be really careful about the things that you post on social media, you have to be very careful about the things that you put into your life uh, because if you watch movies that are bad, you're going to be bad. Um, you have to be very careful about the people you associate with. Like, that was the message. And I was like, that's like so counter to my understanding of grace. Like, that's so counter to my understanding of the love of God is that he loves us so much and loves everyone that we have to definitely separate ourselves from everyone. That's true, Yeah. <laughs> I think um, the other thing that I had to really challenge myself with while studying this is I had to kind of check my attitude about my own life practices as far as, like, yes, I have the grace of God, so I, I feel like it's fine for me to, to say shit and drop the F-bomb whenever I feel like it, and... Uh, like, realizing that, yes, like, I have the liberty to do those things, and I have the liberty to watch whatever movies I want to watch, and I have the liberty to read whatever books I want to read, but how much do I let myself absorb things that, like, shut me off from the message of God? Like, how much, like, and, like, this is not easy for me to say because I like my liberty, and I like to feel like, well, God's good with me, so I can do whatever I want, but, um... I'm not saying that you should throw things out because they make you feel farther from God, but I think what is good is to realize what things are bringing you into a better understanding of his love and giving you better peace about things. So there's multiple times in the Bible that talks about out of, out of the heart the mouth speaks, and I'm like, well, my heart is cruddy then. But I think, I think so much of it goes to... Like, what are things outside of our perception of how we should be behaving that are going to stronger hit our hearts to get us to the message of God's love for everyone? So it's not that me watching a really horrible, scary movie is cutting me off from God's love, but it's, am I putting things into myself that are helping me demonstrate that love? And I'm not saying you have to, like, actively go get rid of everything that makes you feel cruddy, but I think we need to be aware of the message that we're putting into ourselves. Um, that being said, I think that God's love and his sacrifice on the cross brought God as close as he's ever going to be to us. So the things that we do do not separate us from God's love. They do not change God's love. They do not put us farther away from God. But I think that we as individuals with complicated brains have the ability 
not to make God closer to us, but to put our minds closer to God, if that makes sense. Because there's nothing we do that changes the ratio of God's love. But there are things that we can do in our daily lives that put us more in focus with his message. And I think that is part of how we become the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the, the peace and love and hands and feet of Jesus. Is, is not that it's all the things that we're not doing, it's all the things that we are proactively doing to be part of that message. Is there like a convention or something going on? Because there are a lot of people. Doing <laughs> like, um, there's got to be. So is there like a, it's like Netflix filming this right now. Um, so in conclusion, um, I think it's really important that we realize, yes, we are in this world, not of this world. It doesn't mean we hide from this world. It means that we find ways to engage with God so we can actively engage with the world around us and to be bringers of light. Um, Luke talked about last week just briefly. I remember if it was Luke or Aaron. Um, someone said something along the lines of, you focusing on other people's evil does not make you better. And you focusing on like, oh, well, that's darker than I am, so I'm somehow better. Like that's... That's not what our job is. Our job is not to identify the evil in the world. Our job is to bring light by doing good deeds. By Instead of being like, well, I'm going to use my voice to point out how evil that is. Instead of like, physically doing an action that does not bring glory to yourself, but brings peace. That brings this concept of you are worthy as a human being and you are worth more than I am because God says that you are worth more than I am. And I think that, that just changes things. It makes it not so much about, instead of being all the things that we're opposed to and all the things that we're mad about, let's instead bring the good, like bring light to all the things that are good around us instead of pointing out all the flaws. It's really easy. It's so damn easy to be a critic. Like, there's nothing at stake for you when you criticize someone or something. Like, there's nothing. What's at stake is when you put yourself lower than that person and bring honor to their name. Like, that's where there's something at stake. And I think that's what we as people need to do. Like, I'm not saying we all need to go sell everything we have and be little Mother Teresa's or anything like that. But I think that there is something said to maybe stop trying to do what's right and start doing what's kind. Like, do what is kind for those that are closest to you. And what is kind is usually, it usually involves being less than someone. It, it, it involves being, putting your needs below the needs of someone else. And I think that is exactly what being the salt and light of the world is. It's being the servant of the world and not hiding from the world. Okay, that was ranty, but I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer and we'll go from there. God, I ask that you would, that you would etch this message in our hearts and that you would give us the ability to recognize where you are and to focus on the good that we see around us and to highlight all the places that you are and all the places that your name is identified and all the places where we can say, this looks a lot like Jesus and I think that it might not have that name on it, but let's, let's bring the good to it and let's be excited about the good that we see around us. Um, I ask that you would continue to bless us as we go about our week, help us to realize just how much we have to be thankful for and how much that we 
that we really have because of your sacrifice. In your name, amen.